I'm Christy Gupton, and I'm an Employee Benefits Advisor. Welcome to Healthcare Solutions, a podcast where we explore innovations in healthcare, cost containment strategies, and employee well-being. We'll discuss every way possible to turn our healthcare system back into the kind of environment where patient care comes first and costs go down as a result. I invite you to join me to hashtag Let's Fix Healthcare. Well, 2020 was quite a year, wasn't it? Healthcare Solutions Podcast went noticeably silent last year. We didn't record a single podcast. But 2021 is here, and we're back in the podcast business. So welcome to Season 2 of Healthcare Solutions. We'll hear a couple of sequels from guests like Carl Schusler and Vinay Patel, and we'll have new guests like Dr. Keith Smith and Dr. Kristen Dickerson. We'll even hear from award-winning investigative journalist Marshall Allen, who will inspire you to never pay the first bill. So thank you for rejoining our audience, and remember, together, we can hashtag Let's Fix Healthcare. On this week's podcast, I sit down with Scott Ray and Heath Potter of Six Degrees Health. Embarrassingly, I have to admit, I recorded this podcast with them a while ago, and I never got it published. But everything we discussed way back then is still very relevant today. Six Degrees Health has its roots in the world of organ transplants and centers of excellence, but has grown into a world-class cost containment solution that no self-funded employer should be without. You should check out Six Degrees online and listen to their Fireside Chat series featuring guests like Dave Chase of Health Rosetta, and Ryan Work of the Self-Insurance Institute of America. For now, enjoy this engaging discussion with my friends, Scott Ray and Heath Potter from Six Degrees. I'm here today with Scott Ray and Heath Potter of Six Degrees Health. Um, We want to talk about many of the cost containment innovations and things that are going on in health plans today where employers can Um, get better care for their employees and spend way less money for it. So I just thought it would be so interesting for everyone to know and and interesting for me too because this is a a piece of our healthcare system that I don't have a ton of experience with myself. But Scott, I think it would just be interesting to know um, how Medicare rates are how do they come up with that stuff? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is part of the way that the healthcare sausage is made, and, and a lot of us just don't even know where that comes from. Sure. So Medicare, for those who aren't too familiar, it's the federal government's plan that covers uh, primarily the elder, elderly population, but for certain diseases like ESRD and stage renal disease, it'll cover younger folks as well. Mm-hmm. At a uh, you know, if we talk first at kind of a national, really thirty thousand foot view, the program is designed to be roughly budget neutral to a hospital, meaning Medicare wants to cover their costs, but they're not into providing a, a lot of profit to the hospital. If you look at the national numbers, uh, according to uh, the most recent study coming out of MedPAC, which is the Advisory Council to Congress on Medicare reimbursement. The data suggests that or shows that Medicare is designed to produce about an 8% marginal profit to a hospital. 
For most companies, they would die for 8% profit. <laughs> sure. Right? Right. So, well, anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, if, if I'm a hospital CFO and I have a patient sitting at my doorstep and I have an empty bed, I'm incentivized from Medicare to take that patient and make about an 8% profit margin. Now, mm-hmm. most uh, hospitals are not going to talk to you about that component. What they want to talk to you about is how Medicare is not covering their their aggregate costs, meaning if you look at all of the hospital's costs um, relative to Medicare, yes, it does look like, uh, for example, I think nationally, it depends on the study you look at, but roughly Medicare is covering about 90% of the the cost of a hospital overall. Now, what you see across the country are huge variations from that. So, if you get into high-cost markets like California, Texas, Florida, the hospital's reported costs uh, could be 45 to 50% higher than the Medicare reimbursements. You get down into some of the, the southern states that are more uh, not, not quite as uh, costly, you could see reported costs being 10 to 15 percent over what Medicare is is uh, paying. So it, it creates a bit of a, a dilemma from a plan structure because if you're going to pay a hospital, let's say 40 percent over Medicare, if you're in a state where hospitals report costs are only 10 percent over Medicare, they may be very happy with 40 percent. But if you're in a state like Florida, for example, where reported costs are probably in the 40 to 50 percent range over Medicare, arguably um, 40 percent of Medicare is barely covering their costs. Mm-hmm. Now, that begs the question of why are their costs so high? Right. Right. Um, that, does, that was exactly what I was thinking uh-huh. at the end of your sentence is why can Florida not perform those services at the same, you know, level right. that the other places can. Uh, my opinion is because th- they haven't been forced to play by the same economic rules that our businesses play in the free market, mm-hmm. meaning the way networks have developed and the way healthcare is paid for, you don't shop for healthcare. You have a problem, you go where your doctor tells you to or whatever the closest hospital is. And if you look at the data, um, for example, just this morning, Chrissy, you and I were looking at at heart transplant data, and we looked at the whole country, and there were a handful of hospitals, we won't name them, uh, but there were a handful of hospitals that were billing, their average bill charge for heart transplant was over $3 million. Blew my mind. Right. And then you look at a clinic like a Mayo Clinic in Phoenix, Arizona, their average bill charge for a heart transplant was between five and six hundred thousand dollars, so a fraction of the 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 highest billers, and they had the highest CMS total performance score. Um, so there's just a huge variation in what hospitals charge, and that's resulted. It's, it's a result of the networks and the lack of transparency and the lack of competition. It's important to understand that. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the thing that you just said about the, the quality um, and how that affects um, some of the bill charges. You know, when I first learned about, you know, some of these things, 
it was counterintuitive to me because you, you think to yourself, if I'm going to get the highest quality, I better be willing to pay for it, right, yeah. and pay more for it. Right. But in healthcare, it doesn't work that way. No. Nope. When you find the highest quality, you almost de facto def, uh, uh, stumble upon mm-hmm. the, the lowest price. Yeah. And that, when you really think through it, it makes more sense because you've got a specialist who probably only does that procedure. Um, it's certainly more often than any other procedure that that specialist does. They have the most highly trained staff. They have the most advanced equipment. They have the lowest number of um, errors. You know, what else am I leaving out of that equation? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a great point. Um, I think that reference-based pricing, for example, has done a, a great job of starting this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it took some of the tips of the spear 10, 10 years ago to to make the bold move to get rid of the network and just pay a hospital based on a certain margin over uh, over Medicare. And <clears throat> the trend is, is definitely growing. Um, you're seeing hospitals really pay attention to these now. Um, we're seeing a lot more interest from larger plans. I mean, it used to be kind of a small plan, smaller broker type of a uh, solution. Grassroots but, almost. Yeah, but now we're seeing plans that are in the one to 10,000 employee range doing this. And so it, it's definitely gaining momentum. Um, and the hospital's response is definitely changing. So, you know, in the early years, I think the, the inclination was to fight. Um, if, if a hospital didn't like a reimbursement, they felt like they had to fight the, the reference-based pricing plan to put them out of business, make them go back to the traditional network. I think there's a shift taking place, not to say the fighting doesn't still go on on occasion, but a lot of hospitals, I think, are taking a different tack now and saying, if you're not contracted with a network, then we're going to treat you as cash pay. And so if you show up and you don't have a network card, you need cash up front or we need a contract that is going to um, let us know that we're going to get a reasonable reimbursement. And those types of hospitals often, even though they'll contract with you, they won't give you a great contract. Um, now, there's a number of things that we can do to counteract that. Um, they, they forget that they're not operating in a vacuum. Right. Right? They, they do. <laughs> we need to remind them that even though the free market has been put off to the side, for the lack of a better word, mm-hmm. um, for the last few decades, uh, it still exists. And, Absolutely. And they, they I mean, we, we all need to look at all of the resources we have at our disposal. Yeah. So as a good advisor, you, you need to engage folks like you guys. So Yeah, and, and you know, you're right. There there are a lot of transparency tools that are being developed. You know, we have our own with Medivy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other folks that have similar type resources. And the, the, the I think the important takeaway with that, though, is you have to have the right plan structure to to get use out of those transparency tools and this gets back to what you were talking about earlier is that if you put 
transparency tools into a traditional plan structure, you can actually get the opposite effect. Mm -hmm. Because consumerism, the way that we buy goods and services, for most of the things that we purchase, higher price is correlated with higher quality. And so if you give a, a BUCA plan a transparency tool and their out-of-pocket is capped at $1,500 or whatever it is, you know, and I need a knee replacement, and I see the guy that's charging up near the top, I'm thinking, he's probably doing the knee replacements for the Portland Trailblazers. That's why he's charging so much. That's what I want. I want the best. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to make a difference to me because my out-of-pocket's only $1,500. Right. And so, and there's been studies to support this, that it can actually have the opposite effect. Um, the reference-based plan's a bit, a bit of a different story. Uh, you know, you have more buy-in from your patients, um, and, and you can bring that transparency. And, you know, we were talking about a case study in Southern Florida that we could uh, just go through quickly. Yeah, let's talk about it. Um, you know, we had a case about a month ago where a patient needed a uh, cardiac procedure, and they went to one of the largest systems down in, in Miami, and the hospital was employing the tactic that I was just talking about, which is you're not contracted with us, uh, Healthline, you're not contracted with us, so you either need to bring cash to the table, and I think they wanted like $11,000 up front, or, uh, you know, we need a contract. And so part of our services, sure, we'll get a contract in place. Well, when we contacted the hospital to negotiate a deal, um, we didn't get a very good deal. They wanted to give us 15% discount off of bill charges. We, you know, we pushed them down to 20, but that was all they were going to do. Um, and that 20% discount was only going to result in, well, not only, it was going to produce around $125,000 payment from the plan for this cardiac procedure. So that's net of discount, 125 grand out of the plan's pocketbook. Uh, we knew that was a bad deal. Um, it was coming in to be about four to five times higher than what Medicare would pay for that procedure. So we mined out a couple of cash pay options for this um, patient, and we found two hospitals, both in South Florida, both with better quality scores than the place that they had wanted to go first off. And you know, one of the, the cash pay options came in around $38,000 for the same procedure. One of them came in about $47,000, um, all inclusive. So it was hospital charges, professional charges, anesthesia charges, all bundled up into $47,000 cash up front. And, and no possibility no. of these, these surprise bills that are making the news. Right. Uh, because you handled that up front. Exactly. So there's no balance bill issue. Um, the money is collected from the plan and the, the patient. The patient responsibility is all collected up front um, through a payment platform, and it's made to the hospital to, to uh, you know, before the, the procedure can happen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we, we went back to our client and we said, Here's, here are your options. Um, you can go to the hospital that the patient wanted to go to, and it's going to cost you 125000 But here's some other choices. And the plan went to 
the the patient and said, hey, we'd like, you know, look at this. And the patient was Adam, and they said, you know, I no, I really want to go to the place that my doctor had referred me. And the plan basically took the position that you can do that. You know, it's your choice. You can go anywhere you want to. But if you choose to go to your original choice, then you're going to have to come up with the $11,000 cash. And the plan can't sign that contract, so there is going to be a potential balance bill risk. Plan or the patient ultimately decided to go to um, one of the cash pay hospitals, and and that case study is actually bigger than what it even sounds like. Mm-hmm. Okay, because you can think of it as yeah, it was a great outcome for the plan. They ended up that cash price ended up actually coming in less than what they would have paid just under their traditional if they were paying 40% over Medicare. Mm-hmm. So there's times where you can do a cash pay for less than what the plan even would have paid without any sort of contract. Right. Um, but the bigger picture here is that the hospital that lost that six-figure cardiac procedure... The one that wouldn't discount any more than 20%. Right. Mm-hmm. They're not happy. <laughs> and, and you know... Well, they made their bed, right? Exactly. You know, and, and but... You made this point earlier. They haven't had to. They haven't been open or haven't had to deal with transparency under the old, you know, Buka model. You're not losing patients. Right. Those networks are contracted with pretty much everybody, and if the patient shows up uh, through their referral patterns, they get it. Mm-hmm. And so, I think this is critical for the movement yes. to be able to say to hospitals. Yeah, we want to partner with you, but we're gonna we are going to insist that you treat us fairly. We're not gonna pay you five times your cost. Right. And because we have options now. Yeah. So you know, I'm in my state in North Carolina. This whole subject is so heated, and I, I mean, I'll even say the word heated even has um, connotations because there's there was a. It, and it hit the it hit the media. It was in the news. This like assistant um, CFO for a certain hospital sent an email to maybe the the state treasurer's office. Then the state treasurer is who runs the North Carolina State Health Plan, and that's where all the news is coming from right now around you know hospital contracting, especially with large plans. And um, this assistant CFO told some people in an email they could burn in hell. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that, Did you yeah. See that? Yes. And so, you know, you could get in some serious hot water if you bring up this subject in my state. But let's Did that guy lose his job? I don't think so. Wow. Um, but the, the, it brings up a serious topic mm-hmm. about um, where especially you mentioned the bukas and you mentioned balance billing, where we're, where we are now, because let's be honest, balance billing isn't exclusive to reference-based pricing no. issues. We've had balance billing for years. It's called deductibles and coinsurance. Right. You know, mm. when I had both of my children, I don't know how I worked this out, but they both came 
right at the end of one plan year and moving into the next plan year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so for a, our, having a baby that should have only cost one uh, reasonable amount, we maxed out our total out-of-pocket in two consecutive plan years. Mm-hmm. And so it ended up costing the Gupton family $10,000 every time I had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Just because... I incurred my own version of a balanced bill. I mean, my deductible and coinsurance was my part of the balance of what they charged me under the Blue Cross contract that we were members of that plan. So I don't think it's fair to pin balanced billing on companies that negotiate reference-based pricing contracts because that's been going on for decades. Yeah, even in in your traditional PPO space... um, your surprise out of network, which is a balanced bill. Yes. Um, you know, inpatient. I think U.S. averages around sixteen percent. ER is around eighteen percent. I mean, that's higher than we see in a, a full reference-based plan mm-hmm. that doesn't include direct contracting. So, right. you know, there it, it's very misleading for people to believe that that isn't happening. Sure, no kidding. And you know, I know that a lot of your work here at Six Degrees has to do with planned procedures and elective procedures and things you can predict ahead of time, but will you go ahead and describe how, how you work on things like emergency room s- stuff, you know, accidents and, and um, surprise yeah. illnesses that end up having to go out of network by, um, not by choice, but it, they, sure. they ha- they, it's all out of network. How do you deal with that? Employers yeah, so, need to know where their right. safety nets are. So, so the the important thing to understand is that on the emergency room, for example, federal law prohibits any hospital from turning away an emergency room patient for financial reasons. So, mm-hmm. even if there's no contract, uh, that hospital down in South Florida, if it was an emergency, they would have had to have performed that procedure. Now, the question is what happens afterwards if there is a balance bill. That's where, you know, from our side, or our approach, we're using data um, to show that hospital, hey, go back to heart transplant. You're billing $3 million for a procedure that a hospital down the street is billing 500000 for. Mm-hmm. How can you justify that? I mean... If you think of that case getting into the court system or litigation or into the, the newspaper. Sure, in the hands of a good journalist. Yes, nobody <laughs> in their right mind would look at that and say, yeah, that's justified. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. Um, now, am I going to sit here and say that we can solve every balance bill with transparency data? No, you can't. Um, unfortunately, there are some times where you have to... You know, you have to get lawyers involved, and you have to um, stand up to hospitals that are being overly aggressive. But those are very rare. I mean, you're talking about a fraction of a percentage of the time. Um, and that's not our approach. I mean, Six Degrees is, we, we are certainly not sitting here saying that hospitals are the villains in all of this. I think that they have been participants in a broken system uh, with networks for decades, mm-hmm. and it's to a point where you know if you talk, I think if you talk to any hospital CFO off the record, they'll they will admit to you that the, their gross bill charge is a meaningless number. Okay, on the record, they're not going to say that. And if it 
if they have to go to court, of course it's a, you know, of course I deserve $3 million for the heart transplant. But the reality is, no, that is a meaningless number because we've gotten into this game with networks of, I'm going to bill you, or I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to bill you, <laughs> but I'm going to give you a 50% discount, and then the network comes back the next year, and I, I need a deeper discount. Well, okay, fine, I'll give you a deeper discount, Now I'm just going to raise my prices. Mm-hmm. So nobody ever knows what you're going to end up paying because we have this little game going on that is benefiting both the networks and the hospitals. And so the smart plans out there, smart brokers, are finally getting to a point where like, we're done with this. um, We want to be fair and reasonable, but we're not going to play that game anymore. Right. And I think we've definitely started to reach that tipping point um, where it's not just the early adopters anymore. This concept is trickling like you say, it's trickling up to the jumbo employers, mm-hmm. and it's I think it's trickling down into you know yeah. the mid market as well. Sure. You know I don't know where I read it, but someone said they thought that 2020 was going to be the year that the employers finally pushed back and said enough. We we can't right. handle this anymore. It's going to be a good year. Then. It's going to be a good year. <laughs> 2020 is going to be a good year. We should start ramping up for it now. Yeah. You know the other side, uh, Scott's story. You know on the ER side that oftentimes care that you can't control, you can't redirect. Um, But Six Degrees as an organization uh, does a lot more than just reference-based pricing. So uh, for traditional health plans and their stop-loss communities, they're accessing us for single-case arrangements, which Mm -hmm. include transplant, cancer contracting, other high-dollar specialty. Uh, We do catastrophic claim, medical claim audit. All those things are, are purchased from us to supplement a traditional PPO plan. Well, our RVP plans have that all built into it. So um, that is one of the, the benefits of doing reference-based pricing with six degrees is you're getting access to that contracting specialty. And so we do that contracting as a part of that, and that alleviates a lot of the potential balance bills on these planned procedures or things that can be redirected. And then you couple that with the technology of the MetaV platform where you have that cost quality um, comparison, you integrate that with a high-quality medical management pre-cert team, and you really have put something together that is much different than just a, a repricing mechanism that people think of as some of the older models of, of reference-based pricing. Um, right. And it's that hybrid approach that really makes what we do special. Mm-hmm. Moving from the days of old where everything was done on a reactive basis, you, you wait for the build charge to be revealed and then you go to work on it but now we're moving into an era where we can be proactive mm-hmm. and start to teach employees that that's the piece that I'm trying to get into myself with some new clients that I've just gotten is I've spent the time helping to evolve the thinking of the decision makers <laughs> and they've kind of been on this journey mm-hmm. so now it's time to help the employees that are members on their plan go through the same journey right. and learn what they, you know, everything they ever thought to ask but never knew how <laughs> about the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. So, what do employees need to know when their employer comes to them and says, "We're we're changing uh, our health plan and we've decided to go without a network." I mean, fear must strike in the heart of an employee who who says, "Wait a minute." There's not going to be a, a big insurance company logo on my card anymore. What are yeah. you doing to me? Let, let's 
talk about what employees need to hear to understand this is actually not the end of the world. It's actually the opening of a brave new world. Yeah. Um, I think it's a, it's a couple things, not just going to a non-network approach. You go to an employer group that's talking about going self-funding. Mm-hmm, that's true. You know, that's, that's phase one of this. There's, you know, you're, you're taking a survey because Blue Cross won't give over the information necessary for stop-loss to underwrite it, right? So it's all change. It's just how you manage that change and the communication that's made to the employee. So I think if you're very transparent, as long as we're going to use that word, mm-hmm. uh, I think you got to be transparent with the employee and help them understand what this means to them, yeah. you know, whether you're going self-funding or whether you're going the next step and going unbundled and, and no network, is explaining to them what this means to them. Um, and there's a lot of benefits to it. You know, sure. Right now, if you're having to run a high deductible plan, you're able to reduce that cost to where maybe it's covered fully. You know, that's we've seen a lot of our groups that are able to do that, where they're no longer having to contribute because there's so much savings involved. That's that's a huge benefit to that family. Or maybe instead of just covering the employee, now you have the family covered. Right. Um, and then the ability to go no network. I think once you get past the, well, what does that mean? Well, now you can use that doctor across town that you've always wanted to use um, you know and there's no out of network because there's no network mm-hmm. so those are I think you have to look through the education and one of the things that we try diligently to do is to educate folks like yourself you know that are communicating with the employer um, and give them the tools that they need whether it be videos or digital media uh, or paper documents you mm-hmm. know there's all kinds of employers out there and their employees react to and, and use different types of medias to to get that information. Tune in next time for more of the conversation. Thank you for joining our important discussion as we attempt to hashtag let's fix healthcare. Please subscribe to our podcast and let us know what you think. For more information on the work we do at Custom Benefit Solutions, visit our website at www.custombenefits.org.